welcome to Case Dismissed, a podcast that tries to make law fun. Or at the very least, less boring. I'm Karis Williams. I'm Tierney Green. And <laughs> you said that like I was answering a phone. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Let me say that again. Well, I'm Karis Williams. I'm Tierney Green. And it has been a little bit of a while since we have recorded... <laughs> As you might have been able to tell, yeah. what you won't have known, because we did it before we started recording, is that I had to get Tierney to remind me what our intro yeah. was, our whole sort of 20 word intro, which yeah. includes my name. Yeah. <laughs> so settle in guys, because this is going to be an incredibly polished and well practiced episode. Hey, things have got in the way, I moved house. I did not get married, but I'm getting a cat this week, so it's fine. Yeah, and let's be honest, the cat is a lot cuter, so there we are. Um, so before we start, I feel like we should get the Brexit stuff out of the way. Oh, oh, Tani said the B I word. I, to be honest, every time I've re-listened to our old episodes, I've been thinking, but by the time we actually get round to publishing this, Brexit's not going to be a thing, and then more stuff happens. <laughs> <laughs> and it just continues. <laughs> I'm laughing but on the inside I'm crying. I saw an excellent uh, meme on the Facebook the other day which was the year is 3023. MPs in the British Houses of Parliament begin the archaic ritual of voting down Theresa May's deal. (laughs) No one can remember what this means or where it started (laughs) but it's now a ritual that is forever part of the British parliamentary system. It'll be like that whole, um, was it Gentleman of the Rod who comes and like knocks on the door of Parliament and it gets slammed in his face. Is <laughs> Everyone goes... I think I think he's Black Rod, isn't he? That's it. Gentleman of the Rod. That is an excellent porn name. <laughs> <laughs> or oh, the Brexit porn parody starring Gentleman of the Rod. <laughs> oh no, oh no. We have to have Boris Johnson and Jacob <laughs> Rees-Mogg in that. I'm trying to think. I'm Is trying. this libelous? Tierney, what's your opinion there? Excuse me. Can we say that? It's fine. It's all fine. Excuse me. We don't do legal advice on this podcast. And that includes my co <laughs> Oh, yeah. We need to make sure we put that disclaimer yeah. in. Usually fair use is fine when it's a parody. So if we're literally discussing a porn parody, that's fine because it's a parody. Okay. But- there we are. Also, porn parody is quite a pleasing phrase. Yeah. It's quite satisfying to say that. Okay, so, on this brilliantly educational podcast... <laughs> well, while we're still in Europe, I thought maybe we could um, go a little further across the pond, onto the continent, while we still can, and are still invited. Um, Mm-hmm. So this particular case was originally reported in the January of 2017, but it started making the rounds on Twitter, which is where I first saw about it, in summer of 2018. I had been reading about it, and I decided to cover it for a few reasons. So partly, it is pretty funny, so it falls within our remit of funny cases. But it is also a Spanish case, so I get to speak some Spanish and show off. <laughs> Tierney's uh, degree is in Spanish, for those of you who yeah. don't know. Which is presumably all of you, because I don't think we've ever mentioned that before. No. And she has a brilliant and very sexy Spanish <laughs> voice, so we're all in for a treat. Thank you. That's uh, no no pressure or anything for that to come on. 
<laughs> so just to clarify, um, speaking another language at all is considered impressive for like an English person and Spanish is less common than speaking French or German, so I feel like I get extra points. But most yeah, yeah, well, yeah. my international friends won't know that and so I still want my points. And <laughs> Basically, you just want everyone to know that, that you're better than all of us. I'm not going to contradict it, but I didn't say it. So. <laughs> uh, th- Such a lawyer's yeah. answer. Note, Tin is not yet a fully qualified lawyer yeah. and nothing on this podcast constitutes legal advice. Yeah. Especially not when we're talking about Brexit porn parodies. So that does mean that um, I did all the research um, for this episode in Spanish because there was not actually that much information available in English and I might as well, it means I can go read the judgment. That does mean that if you go to our website, which is casedismissed.co.uk, um, to get our episode sources, um, a lot of them are actually going to be in Spanish. So sorry, but there's not much I can do about that. <laughs> so, I mean, you could sit there and translate all of it for us. I am not being paid anything for this podcast as yet, so <laughs> I'm not going to do that. If we say, hint, hint. Yeah. yeah. So um, this case falls under what's translated as contentious administrative law. But it, so it means a lot of things, um, the word for con- contentious. It could mean contentious, litigious, argument, dispute, but the literal translation is much funnier, so I'm sticking with contentious. That does mean I'm going to be talking about tribunals rather than court cases, and I thought it might be helpful to explain the difference. So, different branches of law have different processes through which to achieve redress, which is legal speak for we have different court systems for different things. So when I talk about achieving redress, it means resolving the problem or accessing justice, essentially. Each one has different stages, so I'm going to use UK employment tribunals as an example. Um, At the first stage, you would go to an employment tribunal. On appeal, you would go up to the employment appeals tribunal. To appeal again, you would then switch into the regular court of appeal system. So you would start a court of appeal and then you could carry on all the way up to the Supreme Court if you were allowed to and if you felt like it. So basically each... Yeah. So basically each branch of law will have its own process which then feeds into the overarching judicial system. The highest courts will deal with cases from all areas of law. So what's a tribunal? It is similar to a court but proceedings are just less formal. I think that this is partly because a lot of people represent themselves at tribunal level or they're represented by a union representative or somebody from a service like the Citizens Advice Bureau. Some hearings will take place in rooms which kind of look like a court but others will literally just be around a table which I think some people find quite surprising. Um, because a lot Are there judges? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but because there are a lot of people who go to tribunal without any kind of legal representation, they'll usually explain the proceedings to the parties as well as asking questions to get more information about the case that they're hearing. In court, this rarely happens. You're sort of expected to know how things go, whereas at tribunal, they understand that people don't know and they're, they're okay with explaining it to you. And it means that if you don't quite do something properly, unless it's like a big deal, they'll normally kind of let you off, where they wouldn't do if you had legal representation, or it certainly wouldn't, it wouldn't fly at court. So, in Spain it is pretty similar, but they just have different names for all the court levels. I could go through that, but it's, I don't think it makes much difference. So, interestingly, although this case is ostensibly employment law, because it deals with civil servants, it fell under administrative law. So, administrative law is any kind of law that governs public bodies, so like your local council, the civil service, etc. Ah, okay. So the other thing that I am going to need to quickly explain is the government system in Spain. It, this is relevant. 
So you have the central government, which operates out of Madrid, and then each county or state, which in Spanish is autonomous communities, they have their own regional government. So I'm going to be using terms like county council and regional government interchangeably, as the words that they use translate more directly to like county council, but regional government is probably more accurate. So okay. it's not dissimilar to devolution in the UK with Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland. Uh, but I keep fucking up with how that works, so I don't want to go into more detail than that, because I'll probably be wrong again. <laughs> so... <laughs> okay, so point is, they have a devolved governmental system that is more devolved than our councils. Yes, and they have a lot more They have a lot more control and, and community level over, over laws, and a lot of them obviously have their own regional languages as well, and things like that. So that... that... Which is why we saw last year with Catalan independence and the arrests of the Catalan politicians. Yes, that's a whole other mess for a whole nother podcast. We're not. We're not. We've already entered into Brexit. We're not entering into more. So, <laughs> um, we've already used the word contentious. Let's go the whole hog. Yeah, onto the case. <laughs> Sweeping that straight under the rug. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so. In the general and photographic archive of the County Council of Valencia, there existed a man who was known as the man who wasn't there. His name was Carles Recio, which I'm not going to pronounce properly the entire way through, because that... Could you say that again, please? Carles Recio, so C-A-R-L-E... What did I say about sexy French (laughs) accent? Listeners, you are welcome. So that's C-A-R-L-E-S is his first name, Carles, and then Recio, which is R-E-C-I-O. I'm not 100% sure I'm pronouncing that correctly because that is actually Valencian, it is not Spanish. So, but you are pronouncing it sexually, which <laughs> is the most important thing. It's the, it's the roll in the R's, I'm like, I can really roll my R's, do you want to hear it? Um, so, <laughs> Carlos Recio had been the head of the Bibliographic Development Department since 2006. For 10 years, however, this particular department didn't particularly develop, which was the main function of the head of department. So, Karis, if you wanted to go and see the head of your department with a query, like, what would you do? I would probably send him an email. Yeah, or you'd, like, pop into their office if it was a really tiny office, there's, like, ten of you, maybe. You might knock on the door. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that might be a little bit difficult, because not only does he not have an office, he doesn't even have a desk or a computer at the archive. Right. Yep. The department in question doesn't really have much connection with the other libraries and archives in the region. It's considered auxiliary. And as far as I can tell, it was located somewhere else as well, meaning that the only people he really had contact with were the colleagues in his team. At the time the, the post was created, which had to be done via statute in the regional parliament, there were questions about whether the post, which commanded a salary of nearly €50,000, which is just over £43,000 a year, was even necessary. The original newspaper report in El Mundo, which is a national paper, about this case, talks about his responsibilities, struggling to find any records that he even worked for the department or the archives. At the time that they wrote the article, he didn't appear on most of their websites. They attempted to contact him on various days, but they were told by other employees in his department that they had literally never seen him show up to work and that they had... (laughs) Yeah. And he had absolutely no relationship with any of the other employees because he only ever came into the office to discuss his holidays. Did this man exist? So they had met him? They'd seen him to talk about his holidays. So according to the newspaper, what he'd been doing is he'd been arriving at 7 o- 7.30 in the morning, clocking in, which they did with their fingerprint, leaving 
and then coming back at half past three or four o'clock to clock back out. He was <laughs> never, ever physically present in the office. His name does not appear on any projects, exhibitions, or articles from that time period. Which, <laughs> by the way, we're talking more than ten years that he was doing this. Ten years? <laughs> yeah. So... Bloody yeah, hell. Yeah, this was like 2016 that they started to figure this out. So, he must have been doing wow. something, right? Well, what was he doing over this time? So he claimed to the administrative tribunal that he was working from home, and then he later claimed that he was doing this due to workplace bullying. The tribunal, however, could not find any evidence that he had ever done any work. <laughs> or presumably ever been bullied yeah. if he was never in the yeah, office. Most of the people were like, I don't know what you look like. So that, so that is not to say that he hasn't been busy. He is actually an artist himself, and he's described on the El País article that's in English um, about this case as a reactionary thinker who had made a name for himself in the region. Returning to the good old days where no one did any work. Yeah. Well, his most well-known work, which is, you know, especially now since this case went a little bit viral, is probably as a cartoonist. Um, he's responsible for creating the character Fayarella, who is, and I quote, a superheroine with a generous cleavage who throws flaming Valencian oranges at her enemies. <laughs> yeah. So he was putting those work days to good use. Yeah, exactly. I love it when cleavage is described as generous. <laughs> um, if you look up a picture, you will see why. Wow, we all know that I will be looking at that. Yeah. <laughs> so, after the article in El Mundo, Recio was fired from the archive and an investigation was launched to take him to an administrative court. They were also looking to see if they could file any criminal charges. They decided that he hadn't committed a crime that could be determined and so he only appeared before the administrative court. However, if he had been charged with the crime, it would not have been his first brush with the law. So I couldn't find any evidence that charges were specifically filed relating to this because it's a bit difficult. I'll get into that in a minute. Um, but in, 2000 and f in 2005, a year before he began his post at the archive, it was reported in the local newspaper Levante that Recio, who was then director of publications for the council, was running a male brothel out of the house that he used to share with his wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when he was questioned about this, he said all he did was help these four young men find a house. Which that's okay, right? Yeah, I think that's reasonable. Oh, okay. And if they just happened to have very generous bodily appendages, then, you know, it was all for the well, sake of his art. I, look, you know, just because somebody is running a brothel of a house that you're renting to them doesn't necessarily mean that you have anything to do with the brothel, to be fair. I mean, he did do them one little tiny favour for the brothel, which mm -hmm. he did because he said that he only did this because none of them had a bank account. He did place the advert advertising the brothel. <laughs> Would you like to hear this advert, Karis? I think you know I would, Tony. Yeah. Okay, so the first word in it, somebody who speaks Spanish is going to have to tell us what this means because I ran it past a couple of Spanish friends who went, it said what? This doesn't make sense. <laughs> it boys I... described as abanderados, which means advocates or flag bearers or standard bearers or in Mexican Spanish, like linesmen. Um, I'm fairly sure I can guess what that means. Oh, do, because I have no idea. Well, you run a flag up a flagpole, right? Yeah. 
nice big flag pose. I would oh. guess it's slang for. Gross. I may not be a linguist, Tammy, but I am a pervert, so. Well, if it's not that, please write to us in case dismissed podcast. <laughs> yeah, otherwise, we are going to assume that. Yeah. So, the, these uh, flag bearer boys pr- were promising the best company. Um, boys who are truly sporty, he-men, childlike, active, passive, and complete. The facility, Ooh. the facility apparently also has um, excellent air conditioning and absolute discretion. Air conditioning, obviously, being extremely <laughs> well, important. Clearly not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we we can't comment on the um, air conditioning situation because <laughs> why that was specifically mentioned, I don't know, but it was. Um. So, because of this scandal, it says in several newspapers that it, he was sentenciado. So, the problem with, with that is that that translates to both condemned and sentenced. So, when I said I don't think he went to prison, I couldn't. Nobody said that he did, but when they said sentenciado, that, that could mean he was sentenced to something. I don't really know. Okay. Um, I don't think he did, but yeah, that's, that's the best I can do. What I do know is that the then president of the Valencian regional government, Fernando Giner, couldn't continue to employ him in such a high-profile role. This is how he ended up with this job in the archive. So, Giner has been... Oh, what? Wait, no, hold on. He got this job in the archives after he'd run a male brothel. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so, he basically, um, what happened... I think what happened is he was in quite a high-profile public role and they were like, right, he is an embarrassment because he was running this male brothel, but they can't specifically demonstrate that he did anything other than do something incredibly stupid, which was run this article and rent his house to these boys. And if he didn't ask them any questions, officially he didn't commit a crime. Yeah, I mean, the guy was clearly totally innocent. Yeah. How was he to know that the prostitutes he was advertising were prostitutes? (laughs) Maybe they were just like super sporty, and they when they you know it says good company, it doesn't say good sex, it says good company. So yeah, that's very true. Maybe they were terrible at sex. Yeah, maybe maybe the men would turn up and pay them, and they'd be like sex. I didn't promise you sex. <laughs> we just thought we'd you know put some flags up yeah. in your back garden. I think I think they were essentially escorts. So officially, that's not illegal. So anyway, I don't know, but either way. Recio couldn't stay in the job that he had before, so he ended up being moved into this new position that was created for him in the archive, or so it is claimed. That seems pretty reasonable to me, given the timing of everything, but I can't prove that. So, Giner, who was the uh, then president, has been quoted in El Mundo as saying that he felt sympathy for Recio for his fervent uh, Valencian nationalism, because he is very, very... um, Valencian nationalist. So for those of you who don't know what that means is essentially the autonomous community of Valencia. He's very proudly Valencian. Uh, I think he believes in Valencian independence. I'm pretty sure. I'm not 100% but I'm pretty sure that he does. Um, Things Mm -hmm. like that and we'll speak in Valencian things like that. So Almondo claims that the role as head of the bibliographic development department was created with an extremely vague job description for one reason and one reason only, to exile Rethio and his accompanying controversy to remove him from the public eye and avoid tarnishing the, represent- the reputation of the politicians in the regional government. They said that... Well, hasn't done a very good job of that. No. <laughs> well, they said that Rethio never accepted his force transferred. 
his forced transfer and decided from day one that he wasn't going to do any work. So, I mean, he sort of accepted it because presumably he was getting paid for his transfer. He accepted it well enough to show up at 7.30 in the morning and leave at four in the evening, afternoon, whichever, mm. um, to like stick his thumb on the thing. So he knew enough to show up. But yeah, if you were going to protest, <laughs> you just don't show up at all and say, no, I'm not going to work. I'm going to go on strike. I'm not going to do any work, but you still have to pay me. For 10 years. So, for context, I'm not going to go... It's a very long strike. Yeah. He's a dedicated public servant. Yeah. So, for context, I'm not going to go into detail because I haven't followed it that closely, but there have been a lot of corruption scandals recently in Spain surrounding all kinds of politicians, so from regional ones right up to the previous president. So, they actually changed presidents last year in part due to this. It's It's been huge and it's been everywhere and it's... I haven't followed it all because it's been so complicated. Um, but this is pr- right. this is probably why um, Refia was moved, and it's probably also why this case has received so much attention. Aside from the fact that it's hilarious, um, I think it's partly because of the corruption scandal of. I, I believe that Gina might have been involved in one as well. I'm not 100%, but I think so. Um, so that is there's a lot of context to this it was like when i first started digging i was like oh that headline's pretty funny and then the more i dug i was like oh my god so onto the wow so actually it's a funny story but it also might point to kind of endemic corruption within various parts of spanish administration indeed yes so onto the actual tribunal um i was sorry i just had a sudden moment where i was like Am I definitely recording? I'm just going to check. I'm going to check that I'm definitely recording this time. (laughs) Anyway, yes, I am. I am. For those of you listening at (laughs) home, Tierney has form. (laughs) No, I am recording. We're good. So, on to the actual tribunal. They held that he committed a continued infraction, made worse by its long duration, with the clear intention not to go to work nor complete the functions of said work. They also held that when he was removed from his previous job and not given a concrete role, that he took advantage of this context of tolerance for the lack of effective delivery of the functions of his position, and he got comfortable in the situation because it benefited him personally, despite the obvious detriment to the interests of the public. The judgment said that he, and I'm going to paraphrase so that my translation makes sense, please send me corrections if I get this wrong, because it wasn't very clear. Um, essentially, he came to feel like he didn't need to do anything to earn his salary, aside from fulfil the formality of just clocking in and out. So, the... Tr- uh, Say again. No, no, continue. Yeah. Um, the tribunal felt that the clear intention of Rethion not to go to work was as serious as the administrative tolerance of the regional government towards this attitude. Um, Rethio maintained that he wasn't absent due to choice, but that he was harassed at work and he was restricted access to necessary systems to complete his work, but this was rejected because they couldn't, like, they just couldn't find any evidence of it. So, get- <laughs> how could he have been harassed yeah. at work? He wasn't there! So, um, guess what his sentence was? For the next. N- Did it involve uh, women with generous <laughs> cleavages? It didn't, actually. For the next nine years, he's not allowed. To work in a public office. <laughs> He's been doing that for the last ten years. That was my thinking as well. Yeah. Um, he's not allowed to work in public office. Which kind of sounds like exactly what he's already doing and what he already wanted. Yeah. So, 
I, I'll, I'll be honest. Not that I'm, you know, particularly bloodthirsty or after vengeance, but that does feel like quite a light sentence. It does. So he was given a three-year serious suspension and a six-year very serious one. I don't know what the difference between those is, but he's not allowed to hold public office <laughs> in, those, in that time. That's it. it. I think for one of them, the judge has a particularly frowny face. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> not, not like a black cap. You know, like when they used to pass death sentences. No, just a frowny face for the very serious one. The um, very angry emoji, the red one, and then the the not red one. Yeah. So it wasn't... Yeah, the sort of flat-mouthed one for the serious one. So it wasn't disclosed whether he actually has to pay back any of the salary that he quote-unquote earned over the ten years he quote-unquote worked (laughs) for the archive. Um, I hope he has to pay back at least some of it, but they they decided not to disclose that, so I don't know. That probably means no. It, pro- it probably <laughs> does. It probably is one of those things as well. Like, how would you... if Presumably he's spent it, given that he's been earning it. Well, my fantastic maths says that if he was earning roughly £43,000 a year over 10 years, that's £430,000 yeah. for doing nothing. Yeah. God, I wish that were me. Wow. <laughs> like, <laughs> So that is the story. I don't know, Tony. You'd have to get there for seven thirty in the morning. Oh God, yeah. I I could though to like <laughs> not have to do any work. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that is the story of Carlos Rethia, the man who wasn't there. That's brilliant. It is. Yeah. My favourite bit is that this was him after he'd got a second chance. <laughs> this is the second chance. I mean, (laughs) yeah. Good thing we don't have any important negotiations going on in the hands of civil servants anywhere (laughs) at the moment. I don't know that you'd. I'd be worried. I don't know that you could really get away with this in the UK though, because they've started like moving all their civil servants into singular buildings and singular locations, so everybody would just you all work in the same building. You would know. I hope. I think they've started also moving them all on to Brexit. I know three people working in the civil service, and they've all been moved to Brexit. Mum was asked because they have like, my mum's a civil servant as well. Um, that she works in the Department for Education, and they were going around to people, going like, "Oh, there's loads of really cool jobs. You can kind of go into the comment <laughs> for a blah amount of time." No, there isn't. And then uh, they're all about Brexit, and Mum went, <laughs> "No thanks." So <laughs> that was that. Your mum is a very sensible lady. Yeah, I think there was one that she did say sounded quite interesting. It's just that, like, they don't... The problem was that you, they wanted you to come up with with policy and no one could <laughs> no one could figure out what that was supposed to be and no one was happy with it. So she was like, it doesn't sound very promising, so I'm going to stick with it. No. They should get the Spanish chap on it. Yeah. <laughs> Frankly, if he was... The- I said Spanish chap because I'm still not entirely sure what his name is and I definitely can't. <laughs> Carles, so. like Carlos, but with an E instead of an O. Carles, I can say Carles. Yeah, it's the second bit. Well, frankly, I don't. It's fine. There's probably only one Carles in Spain. I don't know that he'd do a worse job than the current UK government on this. <laughs> like the fact. It's a pretty low bar. Yeah, the fact that we got to we've been supposed to be sorting this out for three years and we had to ask for an extension because we still haven't figured it out. It's like guys, guys. <laughs> You know what, I genuinely think we should try and keep this podcast a Brexit-free zone because it is so depressing. God, it is. I don't think we can find humour on it. No. It's the kind of, you laugh, 
because if you weren't laughing, you would be crying. And that would just be sad. Yeah. And then you start crying whilst laughing. And, you know, then you're just Theresa May. <coughs> so. <laughs> Remember when she was a safe pair of hands? Remember when she she was she became prime minister because everyone thought she was the least bad option. I mean, to be fair, she probably was, but like, Christ alive! Wow. No, my favourite thing is um, as I said, it's quite hard to make jokes about the current Brexit situation. Oh, there is one joke I quite like is um, David Cameron's tweet about a coalition of chaos with Ed Miliband, and everyone's like, "Oh God, do you remember?" <laughs> Remember when we I all thought you were going to stop after David Cameron then there is one joke I quite like David Cameron yeah yeah. where he starts like piping up with an opinion and everybody on Twitter will be like mate you do not get an opinion you sit down and you shut up uh, it's like whenever Tony Blair comes in and says anything is that- it's like even if I agreed with you Tony no one cares I don't now yeah, no one cares Bye-bye. go away yeah. you're making it worse you're making the situation worse Anyway, <laughs> Brexit, huh? What a, what a laugh. I like how you said, let's make this a Brexit-free zone, and then we just carried on. <laughs> yeah, and then we had a big Brexit round. Yeah. So, shall we move on to our final section? Yes, let's go for it. So, I, I don't know if you remember from last time. In Texas, you need a permit to attempt to control the weather. True or false? What did I say? I actually can't remember, I think. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what do you what do you think now? What do you think now? You get to... Oh god. I don't know. Um, I feel like you thought it was false, but I can't remember. I don't know. Uh True. I'm gonna say true. It is actually true. Yes! yes. 100% winning streak. Although I might have just let you change it because I couldn't remember what you thought last time. Yeah, I'm fairly sure that I did say false last time. But the fact that you then said, I think you said false last time, made me decide I wanted to say true. So <laughs> I'll remember that. Because <laughs> I had a vague idea that you'd said false because I was like, ha, she's wrong, finally. But I don't know if that's right, so... Apologies if I... Well, let's just assume that I'm always right. <laughs> I knew that because that does seem the most reasonable assumption. So, so okay, tell us, Tony, why do you need a permit to control the weather in Texas? I mean, I already know, but for the people at home. Um, it doesn't actually say. It just says, in Chapter 301 of the Texas Agricultural Code, subsection 101 pertains to the license that one must obtain to attempt to modify or control the weather. License and permit required, <laughs> except as provided by rule of the Texas Department of Licensing and Regulation, under Section 301.102, a person may not engage in activities for weather modification and control, one, without a weather modification license and weather modification permit issued by the department, or two, in violation of any term or condition of the license or permit. Under this chapter, you also have to publish your intent to modify the weather once a week for three weeks in the local paper of the area where you intend to do it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, yep. you. I like the bit about the local paper. Yeah. Yeah, you have to do that. There's a surprising amount of stuff where it's like, you must publish this in the local paper. And it's obviously like hangovers from when that's where everyone would have actually looked to find stuff out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And when they still existed and hadn't been killed by the internet. Yeah. So, would you want to move on to this week's 
Yes. Yes. Yes, I do. Although I am now feeling the pressure to get the Ferrari. <laughs> Eventually, except that you're probably going to get one wrong. And then you'll feel better. I, I, no, I hold myself to a higher <laughs> standard than that, Tony. Well, I apologise. But then, So in the, <laughs> in the UK, it is illegal for a commoner to permit his animal to have carnal knowledge of a pet of the royal household. True or false? Oh, I want it. Oh, I don't know. I want it to be true. But I also want it to be false. (laughs) It's one of those, it's hilarious if it is true, but what a waste of taxpayer money if it is. (laughs) Gosh. I'm going to say true. You're going to say true. Okay. I'm going to say true. Well, find out next week on Case Dismissed. On Case Dismissed. Sorry, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know if we were doing a thing there. I, I had a moment <laughs> where I went, I feel like I say something after that usually. Uh, I could do this. We we are so in sync yeah. right now. I mean, that was impressive. Great double act. But thankfully, we have people who are a lot more competent than us also supporting this podcast, which includes Sunstarved Designs, who designed our website and host the podcast, Blueberry Creations, who designed our wonderful logo, and then finally, our theme tune is Fretless by Kevin McLeod. And just a final reminder that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only, and nothing in it constitutes legal advice. Thanks for listening. Thank you.